today we are ending our series called All In, and this series has been an exploration of the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon that Jesus gave. And in that sermon, Jesus was telling his followers and a whole bunch of people who were interested in being his followers what it looks like for them to be all in, what it should look like for us to be fully devoted followers of his. And as he had this conversation, as he gave this sermon, he spoke about all kinds of different subjects. He spoke about who could connect with God and and made it very clear, everybody can connect with God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said that we need to deal with our anger issues. And he talked about emotions. He talked about motives. He talked about relationships. He talked about commitments. He talked about money. He talked about a prayer life. He talked about trust. He talked about judging other people. He talked about all kinds of things in the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to look at the last two things that Jesus spoke about. He spoke about prayer and he spoke about eternity as he ended the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to pick back up in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. So listen to what Jesus says there. He says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if, you, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So Jesus is talking about prayer here, and this is an extension of what he already said in Matthew chapter six. Now, if you were with us, A few weeks ago, when we were looking at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, you might feel like, hey, there's a little bit of a contradiction here that I need to understand, because it seems like Jesus said something slightly different in chapter 6. So let's go back and look at what Jesus said about prayer in chapter 6. In verse 7, he said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So in chapter six, Jesus says, don't pray the same prayers over and over again. In chapter seven, Jesus says, keep on praying and you will receive what you're asking for. So it seems like a little bit of a contradiction, but it's not. So in chapter seven, Jesus was not recommending that we pray the same words, the same prayers, word for word, over and over again. What he was recommending is that we learn to say the same type of prayers, especially when we are in a season where we're really wanting God to work in our lives, or we really need God to show up in some big, powerful way. So I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. So we're going to step out of the Sermon on the Mount for a moment, still Jesus' words. We're going to look at a story that Jesus told his disciples related to prayer And he's got two specific reasons he's telling them this. And we'll find this out in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. This is the story of the persistent widow. Jesus says, one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. That's the point of this story. He's telling his disciples, he's telling us, if you're a follower of Jesus, to always pray and never give up. He said, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. 
The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. So God does not want us to write out a prayer uh, or download a prayer off the internet and pray that over and over and over again. But God has no problem with us praying the same type of prayer over and over again. So here's an example from my life. About 12 years ago, my wife came down with a very disabling illness that she still uh, interacts with occasionally to this day. It, It was so bad in those early years, it took two and a half years for us to figure out what she had and to get a diagnosis. And there were moments that she could not get out of bed She walked with a cane for years, and there were many basic things that she could not do. She was very disabled. And in that time frame, I felt like I became the persistent widow, like Jesus was talking about in this story. I prayed over and over and over again for God to heal my wife. And she prayed over. My kids joined us in those prayers. Our family joined us in those prayers. I invited anybody and everybody to join us in those prayers. And here's what I was hoping. I was hoping we would wear God out. I was hoping God would say, I am just tired of hearing about this Tammy girl in Flagler County. Let's heal her so we can move on to other things and get some other prayer requests up here. That's kind of what I was was hoping would happen. In that process of praying deeply over and over and over again, God did some amazing things in me. God taught me some amazing lessons. One of the things that God taught me is how to have a deeper relationship with him. You see, my life to that point, not all of it, but, but there were big chunks of my life that I would say in my prayer life, in my conversation with God, that was rather superficial. And what we walked through with my wife gave us an opportunity for us to go deeper in our relationship with God. It gave us an opportunity to learn persistence. It gave us an opportunity to keep pursuing God in the midst of difficulty and struggle and pain when we felt like God wasn't answering, but God was our only hope. And so we continued to step towards him and we watched God do some amazing things in our lives as we did that. And I'm just curious this morning, is there anybody here that would say, you know what, that really hard thing that I went through grew my relationship with God like nothing else had before. Anybody say that? There's a number of us. Um, And, you know, that's a tough thing to walk through. And yet, learning to talk deeply with God over and over about the same kind of subject can create a deeper relationship that we can have with him. Another thing that it taught me was that God is always doing something more under the surface in my life than on the surface. Like God's always doing deeper stuff in us than than we can't see. And as I look back on that season of real difficulty, those few years that were so painful, I would never wish that on anybody. And yet at the exact same time, that was what God was using to transform us 
And I'm so grateful for it. I mean, it's what God used to transform our lives and to help us grow that deeper relationship and to see that there's still some deep stuff that God wants to do in us. And I think this morning that, that some of you, that's what you need to hear. This morning, like, like when I'm finished with this next section, you could probably get up and go home because like that's all you need for this morning. The, the thing that you need to wrestle with like the rest of the day, the rest of this week is Jesus' words, always pray and don't give up. I always pray and don't give up. And you might have been praying for something for two years and you are worn out, exhausted. You're not sure that, it's gonna, that God's gonna show up and do anything. You're not sure if your prayers are doing anything. You might have been praying for 25 years for something to happen. And Jesus' words this morning are, always pray and never give up. God wants a deeper relationship with you and maybe, just maybe, this thing that you're going through is gonna provide that. God wants to do some deep things in you and he's probably using this thing to transform your heart. And you just might be one prayer away from God's answer. So always pray and never give up. Another thing that we need to clarify from Jesus' words about prayer is the issue of asking and receiving. So Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. So I'm curious whether that means if I ask God every day for five years for a full head of hair, not that I would want that or ever pray that prayer, but if I ask God for that or if we ask God for anything that we think is valuable in our lives, if we ask God you know, every day, God, would you just let me win the lottery? God, would you give me that brand new car? Would you give me that really nice job? Whatever it is that we kind of really think is, is a really big deal in our lives. If we pray that prayer, ask for that thing every day for five plus years, will God give it to us? If you read that verse just on the surface, you might come to that conclusion. And God might, I mean, he might. There's actually some religious leaders that teach that's kind of how we interact with God. You keep on asking what you want. You, you want that new car, you want that new job, you want that whatever. And at some point, God's going to give it to you. And if you don't get it, it's probably a faith issue in your life. But I'm not convinced that's what Jesus was talking about. We've already seen what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6. He was speaking about needs and wants and telling us what we should really focus our lives on. And in verse 31, Jesus said, so don't worry about these things, saying, well, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, that last word is a word that we're familiar with. It's not a word that we always like though because Jesus said that God would give us everything we need, not necessarily everything that we want. And those two words are very different. So God the Father is not a big genie in the sky. And if we just you know, figure out the secret code and, and rub the magic lamp, we're going to get three wishes. That's not how God operates. So listen to how Psalms 37 expounds on what Jesus is saying. Verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. Now, often when we read a verse like that, we focus on the second part of it. We focus on the, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And we think, man, I got some big desires. I can't wait for God to give those things to me. I can't wait for God to to do that thing in my life. And we don't always focus on the first part of that verse. Delight 
in the Lord. Like commit your ways to him. So when we learn to delight in what God delights in, when we learn to commit our ways to him and learn to trust him in, in what he wants to do in our lives, when we seek his will above every other thing in our lives, I think our desires start to change. We start to see things the way God sees things. We start to care about things the way that God cares about them. We start to want things in our lives and in the world around us the way that God wants things. And when that happens, I think doors start opening. I think we start receiving. I think we start finding the stuff that we're looking for. So when you think about asking and receiving in your relationship with God and, and what that's like, like, do you want what God wants for you? Like, do you really? Do you want what God wants for you and for other people around you? Do you see the world around you the way that God sees the world? Do you care about the same stuff that God cares about? I think the closer we get in our relationship with God, the more we start caring about eternal things and the less we start caring about temporary things. And it's kind of like this, and I'm guilty of this as well in my own life. It's kind of like this. We're playing a game of, of um, Monopoly, and we get so fixated on the play money, we think it's all about the play money. And we forget, we got to step out of the game and understand there's a whole big world out there. There's a whole life out there. There's a whole real place that we're going to live a whole lot longer than we live here, and it doesn't operate on Monopoly money. And so again, Jesus said, store up your treasures in heaven. Don't store them on earth. Don't get so focused about things on this earth, things that are gonna rot, things that are gonna waste away, things that are gonna be gone in just a few years. Spend your life focused on things that will last forever. Now we're gonna transition to our final subject, that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter seven, verse 13. In verse 13, Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. I think this is Jesus' core message out of the Sermon on the Mount, and I think this is his core message out of most of his teachings, how to have eternal life. And so in these words, Jesus talks about the two choices that face every person that is alive, every person that will ever live. These two choices are a choice of eternal life or eternal death. There's two roads, two paths that lie ahead of us. One road leads to heaven, one road leads to hell. And we are left with the enormous responsibility of deciding which road we're gonna take. And we're gonna learn in just a minute that there are a whole bunch of people who think they are on the road that leads to eternity, but they aren't. And we see in these verses here that Jesus doesn't say there are many ways to get to eternity. There are many ways to get to eternal life. There's a lot of people that tell us that, but Jesus said, no, there's, there's only one way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way. That's by putting our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Jesus was so concerned about us choosing the one right path. He said in verse 15, 
He said, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. Jesus says, listen, there are a lot of false teachers out there today who are gonna try to get you off the right path. They're gonna convince you that you're on the right path when really you're on the wrong path. And there are a lot of people still today doing that. There were people in Jesus' day doing that. There are people today doing that. Like We hear consistently from our world several messages. One message is this. All you have to do is be the best version of yourself and things will go well. How many of you would admit that maybe there's not a really great version of you in here and that maybe you need Jesus to transform you so you can be who he's designed you to be instead of just a better version of you. How many of you would say maybe you've recognized that in your life? Um, Other times we get told, all you gotta do is be positive. If you're just positive, things will go well. Or if you're just a really good person, if you're a really good person, whether you're a religious person or not, like if you're just a good person, And there are so many people that think that eternity is based on a scale. Our good stuff being put on a scale, our bad stuff being put on a scale, if the good outweighs the bad, then we're in. If our bad outweighs the good, then we're out. That's all a lie. That's not true. So listen to what Jesus said about even people who are really religious. Verse 21, he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, there's some debate about what Jesus meant in those words. There's some people think that that means we can lose our salvation. There's some people think it means that only God really knows who's saved. There's some people think that means we have to be super spiritual to get into heaven, and those people weren't spiritual enough, so the rest of us should be a little bit nervous. I don't know when the last time is that you cast out demons, but I'm, I'm thinking it, it probably hadn't happened in a little while in, in your life. Um, so there's a lot of debate about what, what Jesus said, but I think what Jesus is saying here is that there are many people who think they're on the road to eternity, to eternal life, and they aren't. They're basing uh, their choices, they're basing their eternity on their good deeds. And Jesus said, even religious good deeds aren't enough. It's not enough. And think about this. Like, if it could be enough, don't you think Jesus would have come down to earth and said, try harder, keep going, keep following the rules, and you'll get there? Jesus didn't say that. He said, you can't, so I will. And he died so we can live. So we cannot base our eternity on us trying to be good enough. And so Jesus says, these folks in this passage failed to do one thing. I want you to listen to what that one thing is. Jesus clarified that in John chapter six. So in John chapter six, after feeding 5,000 plus people in a supernatural moment, these people want to be around Jesus. They love the magic tricks that he's doing and they want to do that themselves. And so Jesus says in verse 26, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the son of man, referring to himself, can give you. 
for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they re- reply in verse 28, well, we want to perform God's works too, kind of like, like we want to do magic tricks. We love that. It's fantastic. We want to do that. What should we do? Verse 29, Jesus says, this is the only work God wants from you. What's that first next word? Believe. Believe in the one he has sent. Belief in Jesus is the only way to gain eternal life. Church attendance doesn't do that for us. Memorizing the Bible doesn't do that for us. Being a good person, even a good religious person, doesn't do that for us. Putting our faith and trust in Jesus is the only thing that will do that for us. If at some point we make that decision to follow Jesus, something else should happen inside of us. There should be a transformation of our lives. Like our lives should start looking a little bit more like Jesus every day. And Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount about fruit in our lives, that people should be able to see good fruit that's in our lives. And Paul talks about that fruit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He says that fruit should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've really put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, would you say that fruit is evident in your life? Would you say other people at work would say, man, you are just so loving. Like, I don't know what it is about you, but you are just so loving. Would your friends say, you know, you've just got an amazing amount of self-control. I don't know what it is about you, but you just got this self-control thing going on. Like, you are so controlled when it comes to temptations. Would people look at you and say, you are so joyful. Like, you're going through such a horrible situation, like, right now, but you seem to find joy. How is that possible? People should be able to see fruit in our lives. Is there fruit evident in your life if you're a follower of Jesus? Jesus ends this sermon with these words in verse 24. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So what is your life built on? Is it built on the bedrock of applying Jesus' teachings to your life? Or is it built on sand where you ignore the teachings? Or maybe you learn the teachings, but you don't apply them to your life, which is very deceptive. If we we gain head knowledge about God and about the Bible and we don't apply it to our lives, that's something that many people do, thinking they're on the right path and later we'll find out they were on the wrong path. So what is your life built on? Now again, this was Jesus' all-in speech. He gave to people who were considering being followers. He gave to people who were his followers. I think Jesus is still giving the same message today. The same message applies to all of us here today. There's some of you who are considering following Jesus. There are many of you who are following Jesus. And I think Jesus is asking, are you all in? Are you all in with me? For some of you, 
that might mean putting your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Like maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've grown up around the church. You've, you've always thought, you know, I've just always believed this stuff. And maybe you've never stopped and had a moment where you say, I need Jesus for me. And you've not done that. So maybe this morning could be the morning that you do that. Uh, maybe you've never been a part of church in your life. And, and you think, you know what? Like today is the day that I recognize I need Jesus. And if you're in that spot, I'm gonna walk you through how to do that in just a minute. But let me speak to what I think is probably the larger crowd here today, those of you who are uh, followers of Jesus. I think Jesus is still asking, are you all in or are you just partially in? Partially in is not okay. 80% is not okay. 90% is not okay. God wants 100% of who we are and what is that thing in your life that holds you back from being all in? Is it a relationship with somebody? Is it some anger issue that you have, some unforgiveness issue? Uh, Have you been serving in such a way to get attention instead of give God attention? Have you been so focused on storing up treasures here on earth instead of storing them in eternity? There's all kinds of things from what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that can be the issue that is holding us back from being all in with him. So what is that thing in your life? And this morning, would you be willing to surrender it to Jesus and say, I'm all in. I'm all in with you. So we're gonna end our service today a little bit differently than we normally do. And what we're gonna do is our worship team is gonna come out and guide us through a closing song that's appropriately called All In. It was written by Matthew West. It's a great song. And as we sing this song, I'd like you to do me a favor. So we're gonna start with everybody seated during this song. And then at some point, if you sense that you're ready to be all in, I would like you to stand during the song. And if you're deciding to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time in your life, here's what I encourage you to do. Just have a quick conversation with God. It's called prayer. And just admit to him that you need him, that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Admit that Jesus is that Savior and invite him into your heart and commit to follow him the rest of your life. Just have a a short conversation with the creator of the universe who is waiting for you to surrender your heart so he can confirm to you again that you will have eternal life and you're on that path that leads to heaven. When you say that prayer after you're done, I encourage you to stand during the song. If you're wrestling with something else, you've already made that decision in your life and there's something else that's holding you back, I encourage you this morning to confess that to God. Say, God, like, I'm confessing this to you. 1 John 1, 9 says, when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when we confess that, we can step into God's favor, God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's mercy, and we can step into being all in with him. And if you're in that spot, when you're ready, if you're ready, I encourage you to stand during the song. Now, let me be clear about something. Um, I I worked real hard on this and prayed a a long time about how we would do this. I don't like when pastors create these moments that feel manipulative and make people feel like if I don't stand, people are going to look at me weird. If I I sit uh, or I feel like I've got to stand or or I'm going to be singled out. So 
I really don't want that to happen this morning. That's not my goal. This isn't about what somebody does next to you. This is about what you and God are doing. And I found in my life that sometimes I need to do something physical to help me confirm a decision I've made in my heart. And so that's my intent with this. I hope that that we're able to block everybody else out. During this song, it's just you and God, the creator of the universe. Nobody else matters. Just you and him. It's all that matters. And if you sense you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, if you sense you're ready to surrender something and step all in with him, then I invite you to stand at some point during the song. And then about three quarters of the way through in the song, Matt is gonna invite everybody to stand, so we'll all be standing at the end. Hopefully all that makes sense. Now, I'd like one more group to do me a favor. If you are deciding this morning to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna be right up front here after the service, and I would love for you to come up and celebrate that with me. Tell me about that so I can celebrate. If you have questions about that, we'd like to talk a little bit more about that. I'll be up here. would love to talk to you about that. If you've got questions about baptism, I'd love to talk with you about that as well. If you'd like to talk to me about any other subject, I just ask that you give me about 10 minutes to speak to the folks that are, um, have issues or questions about salvation or baptism. Then after that, I would love to talk to you about whatever else might be on your heart. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing. And you stand if and when you feel it's appropriate for you. Let's pray together. So Lord, I wonder what the ending of that first sermon was like as as people sat on the slopes of that hill around the Sea of Galilee and were listening to you teach. Lord, we know that people were amazed at you and what you had to say, like you taught like nobody else had ever taught before. And Lord, as we look back at that sermon now, like we can kind of understand this was your all-in speech. This is what it means for us to be fully devoted to you This is what our lives should look like. Our lives should look very different as we're walking in a close relationship with you. And so Lord, this morning, here we are sitting, deciding. There's some people possibly here trying to decide if they're gonna put their faith and trust in you. Maybe they they feel like, you know what, I've I've been in church all my life, been around this all my life, but maybe they recognize this morning that they haven't stopped to just invite you in. They haven't had that personal relationship with you. And God, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here in that spot, that they would pause and recognize that. They'd make that decision. They would invite you in. And Lord, there can be a whole bunch of other things that you talked about in the Sermon on the Mount that hold us back from being all in with you. It can be a relationship issue, a money issue, an anger issue, an unforgiveness issue. There's all kinds of things that you spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount that could hold us back. And you were asking all of us to take a step towards you and to be all in. So Lord, this morning, we pray that all of us would identify that one thing and we would step towards you. We would surrender that thing and step towards you to be fully devoted followers of yours. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen.